Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, London is Blue podcast. Your host, as always, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, uh, we've got a special kind of one-off here. It's not match-related, but it is very much Chelsea-related, Dan, at this point. Uh, a a long-time friend, multi-time guest, but a unique situation we've got in front of us today. Mm. Well, we do. We are so thrilled to welcome back onto the show, and the yeah, for most people, the face of Chelsea. When you think about uh, how they've engaged with the club, whether it was with Chelsea TV back in the days, or whether it's the wonderful interviews or sit-downs you do when a new player comes to the club, it is the one, the only, the legendary Lee Parker. <laughs> oh my word. That's a bit humbling. I'm under pressure now. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's no pressure chatting with us compared to the interviews you've done at the club. Oh, I wouldn't go that far. But thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You well? You all well? Yeah. Sure. We're good. <laughs> yeah, as we're recording well, we, we this. Are, we are recording this right after Chelsea won 2-1 yes. over Aston Villa. So How are the nerves? Very good spirits. It's one of those. So. <laughs> <laughs> I got to bring Incredible. down. I got to yeah, bring it yeah, down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <sighs> yeah, strategically not a match review because we're still coming down off that one. But uh, Exactly. Nonetheless, uh, you know, for a lot of you who, like I said, probably do know, Lee is you know, done so many interviews, been at the club for a long time, seen a lot of the different ins and outs. And we, we got to talk to him, geez, probably three and a half years ago at Stamford Bridge, uh, got some fun stories from there. And so we just thought we'd do a little bit more of a formal sit down um, and kind of get the idea. So I guess, Nick, I want to let you set the scene a little bit more about Lee and, and his time at the club. And then we can get into some, uh, you know, story time with Lee, we can call it. Yeah, I know good. this this is story time with Lee, so there, it's not a it's not as formal of a tactical script as we would typically run here. But Lee, you've obviously been uh, around the club, managers, players, the whole institution for for over thirteen years now, which is mm. an, an incredible uh, kind of run that you've been through, especially with all the success that's gone on and the changing uh, so of managers. Just a handful of them <laughs> survived. Why, why have they not rubbed you for luck or something? You, know, you, you seemingly have a resilience. It goes resilience. the other way. It goes the other way. <laughs> Some might say bring back. Yeah, so, so we want to we wanna bring in a lot of these stories, right? And because sure. it's not just, you know, we're, we're, we're used to covering Chelsea in the now, you know, and, and there's so much rich history here to kind of talk to you about. Mm. So 
between the Champions League and just a general look back, you know, that's that's kind of what we want to do here. We want to set the stage. No problem. We want to make sure that we cover off on some of the juiciest bits that we can. I smell a lawsuit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, great. Well, kicking it off right away, uh, the exciting time for us right now is that Frank is is back at the bridge, is mm-hmm. a manager, his second season only managing in general, obviously his first in the Premier League, and his first at Chelsea. No pressure, obviously. <laughs> He's delivering. Absolutely. Uh, what, what's something that caught you off guard about his approach to management? You saw him as a player. Mm. It, is there a different style and approach to him as a manager? You know what? It's a very good question. I mean, from taking, as you rightly said at the start, Nick, I mean, it's 13 years now since I started as a producer for Chelsea TV. And I remember my first trip to Cobham, my word, walking through the doors and just watching those guys train. John Terry, Frank Lampard, Petr Cech, Michael Balak, Didier Drogba, Ashley Cole, Joe Cole. And I was like, wow. But one of the first things that hit you at the time was just the fastidiousness of the way that, that Frank approached training as a player. You would watch them go through like a 90-minute, two-hour session then Frank would come straight back out with a bag of balls and be practicing free kicks. Um, pre-season, he would always work a little bit extra. He'd always come in a day earlier. He'd always work a bit harder. And you saw that from the get-go. And you see that now as well. He doesn't expect the players to do anything that he wouldn't do. He works hard. He puts the effort in. But when he walks through the door, there's that immediate respect. There's that gravitas. There's that, you know, because people know exactly what he's achieved. He earns respect, but he also gives it as well. Um, just to watch him around the place. He knows everybody in the building. He knows their name. He knows their role. He knows what they do. And that is just, that's priceless. And just the interactions he has, not just with the players, but with the coaching staff and and everybody. You can just see that attention to detail is phenomenal. And it looks like that's, you know, obviously paying off its early doors, of course, but you see, you know, the results are evident on the pitch already. One of the things that, you know, I think we've seen uh, in in the way he's covered too, right, is... Mm. I think he's given maybe the benefit of the doubt, not only because of who he was as a player, which is obviously a legend, but mm. because he seems to present the media and yourself included in that with honest mm. kind of opinions or takes. And he seems to always, he's not, he's not playing mind games like Mourinho would have, you know, maybe in the, in the first spell or second spell, it just mm. seems to be kind of spoken plainly. And honestly, do you get that sense from him uh, as as you're kind of talking to him that it's not, Hey, I'm not here to to set up five chess pieces in a row in the media mm. for for the next five weeks, but I'm just I'm here to talk honestly. I think you're spot on. I think absolutely spot on. Honesty, objectivity as well, and you always feel like you're you're learning something when you sit down with him because he'll give you an honest, educated answer because he can draw on so much experience. But he's also you know keen to know. You know, he, he stresses that you know I am learning, I am developing. He bounces things off of Jody and Joe and Chris Jones, and they all work such as a t- you know such a tight knit team. And that comes across as well. And everyone around the place just gets that, that feeling from them as well that, hey, you know what? Everyone pulls in. Everyone's got a job to do. Everyone's got a role to play. And he's the first to acknowledge that as well. And at the start of, of the season, he had all the players and coaching staff and everybody in a room. And I don't think I'm sort of speaking out of turn here. And he basically said, we are all in this together. When we win, we win together. If we lose and we will lose, you know, yes, we'll, we'll look back on those things, but we, we will learn from it and we'll pick ourselves up. And straight away, that, that does wonders for everybody. It really sort of galvanizes everybody. And you go into work, you know, you, you know chest pumped out, looking forward to going in. And it's, it's a fantastic environment to work in. I, have to say. I think another thing that's changed a lot this season is the makeup of the squad indexes to such a, a younger player, a player that's grown up through Chelsea. And you've probably had a chance to see them grow up from being mm-hmm. you know young kids into now being adults who are playing for the first team. And so how has that changed things from, from your perspective, how you approach your job? Because you, you now have a much longer term relationship with some of the players who you're, you're mm. speaking to on a regular basis. It's a very good point. I mean, you think about people like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, Fakayo Tamori, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who's just, yeah, I mean, the, the, the stories and the development that you see are just incredible. And that they're like with Ruben, for example, the first sort of interactions we have with him, it's like 14, 15 years old. And I remember AD Vyvash was in charge of the, the under 21s, I believe it was at the time, sort of picked him out very early and said, you know, we see something very special in, in him and the academy are very invested in him and his development. And then to bring Frank in, 
that transition from what they call sort of one side of the road to the other is now evident. And now players, staff, families can sort of see that there's now a, you know, there is like a roadmap and you can see it was with like with Andreas Christensen a couple of years ago. It's like, wow, okay. And now it gives these kids something to, to aim for. And we did an end of season barbecue for the Academy a couple of years ago with Ruben. And it's brilliant because you had all the families from the under eights all the way up through to the youth team. And now all of a sudden they're looking at this guy who's now proving himself for the first team. Think, okay, right. Now we can see that there is a window of opportunity. There is a pathway. And Frank has you know, certainly accelerated that for a number of players. And it's, it's, you know, it's reaping its rewards as well. And, you know, as fans, you can obviously empathise with that as well. You know, you really, you can say, you can sense it when you're at home games, the, just the desire from the fans for these boys to do well and to progress. It's, it's fantastic. And these are kids that have grown up with that DNA of the club. People like Mason and Fakayo and, you know, they, you know, the list goes on and on, doesn't it? But they've seen it from, I mean, it makes me feel old, but since they came in at the age of like <laughs> eight years old, it's phenomenal. And um, all credit to them. And, and, and all credit to the academy as well, because they put in such an incredible amount of hard work behind the scenes. People see that these players are coming through, but there's so much that goes on that Neil Bath, Jim Fraser and the coaching staff do behind the scenes with these kids. So many of them come through and people speak about how well they present themselves in the media. Well, that comes from those guys because they give them media training. There's lots of extracurricular stuff that they provide to these boys coming through and developing in order to create impressive, not just footballers, but impressive young men as well. And I think that, that's you know, a fantastic approach. Are you, are you able to do more with them because they already are settled and comfortable with you? Are they more willing to do maybe extended media type things versus your traditional sit down be really scared in front of the camera and and knock out some questions it's a good point i think i mean i think you might have seen from some of the films that have been produced this year we've done some of the pride films and we've brought people in to help us with that as well but people like ruben and people like mason have given so much time to these projects because they know what we're doing you know they know that we're there to support them and i always say that to them when we do even now when we do sort of um, first contract interviews with with seventeen year old lads. It's like important to stress. I think that hey, we're we're here for you. We want to help you as much as you can help us in creating content. We want to help you develop as well because you get some players that will come through, and as you were alluding to, there can be sort of I guess quite nervous when you know the the lights, the camera starts rolling. So it's up to us. It's our responsibility to help that development. I think. Um, and certain players have just take to it like a like a duck to water. Ruben's always been a fantastic talker. Mason as well. No, but it's true. He's, he's great, and it's you get a real sound very paternal now. But you you see him sort of play against Villa for the first time in over a year, and you're thinking just you, you're just willing them on to you know just just to do something to to come through it unscathed. And yeah, you mm-hmm. you, you become very attached. No, absolutely. And I only smirked at Ruben because we got the pleasure to sit down with him and he's a mm. brilliant chat um he he w- it was so great to talk to him mm. very humble isn't he oh yeah for like <laughs> someone that's Without achieved so much yeah you wouldn't you wouldn't know it right away yeah okay lee if you since you're around these guys so much is there one mm. player who off camera has a bright vibrant personality but we just haven't quite seen it on the social medias and the interviews with Chelsea yet? Or is there one that we're still waiting to come through? Oh, that's a good question. I feel like Christian and Reese are are quietly in the background in the videos, but when they're with the boys, they're probably a lot more out there. I think Christian Pulisic's a good example. I think he's a very, he's a very, such a polite guy, such a humble, grounded, polite guy. Um, so there's an element of that. You, you, you could say maybe he's a little shyer than, than some, but he's such a, a kind-hearted guy. And when you speak to him, he's such a, a gent. He's my son's favourite player because we. Um, I was lucky I took my, my little boy to the training ground one day and they just treated him like royalty. And it was just, I was, it was, you know, it was a bit... It was a humbling experience, but it was such a privilege to, to, to see all the players come through and high-five him. Frank coming over, putting his arm around him. And then at the end of training, Christian came over and he said, oh, hi, little man, how are you? Shook his hand, got a football out, and they started playing sort of one touch between them. And I was like, oh, my God. 
and that was it. My son from then was besotted. So he that's his, <laughs> his, his favorite player straight away. Um, so he's just yeah. grew wings and flew away. It was it's something I never want to take for granted because it's such a privileged position that I'm lucky to have. Um, and I'm kind of trying to drill it into him now. It's like, do you know how lucky you are? <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those. <laughs> You mean but we he, don't he all grow up among football players? I know, <laughs> and that's the thing. I just, I just never want that to be taken for granted and uh, to be sort of misconceived because, yeah, it's, it's a very lucky position to be in. But it was, yeah, it brought a, brought a lump to the throat. I'll say that much. But I mean, there was a couple of others. You're talking about people that were sort of shy off camera, or sort of, should I say, so shy on camera? Or I, I remember Michael Essien, just so vibrant. And just so you'd shout down the corridor at you, and then as soon as the camera was on, you'd be speak up, speak up. I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so don't give me that shy and innocent act now. <laughs> well, you saw, you used to see him and, and Obi Mikel and Drogba in the locker room, just oh. tearing it up. And then the minute they got in front of camera, it's like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. Kind of thinking about this now, we're, we're getting close to the end of this season, 2019, 2020. It's crazy. And, isn't it? Which is shocking. And <laughs> it's still going to be beyond its original expiration date. Yeah. What's a story or two that you think you're going to carry away from this season? Maybe a specific moment or interaction or match that's just going to mm-hmm. live in your memory as just a, a very visual element or visual memory of what's going on or what happened this season i mean the, st- the whole start of the season was was surreal i remember the sitting down with with frank on the day that he came back sitting down to do the first sort of manager interview with him that still i look back at pictures and think wow it's nearly a year ago which is incredible but just the moment he walked into the dressing room and said hello stranger <laughs> and and it was like he'd never been away and it was oh, it was, it was brilliant and i loved that um obviously the season didn't start as we we all hoped with the the game at united but the first home game the leicester game the just the the atmosphere around it was just incredible just the goosebumps and it was just just a whole sort of feeling within the stadium ahead and throughout the game was 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 amazing and then sort of moving it forward a bit obviously the ajax game the 4-4 the champions league game was absolutely bonkers <laughs> <laughs> I remember my voice went. I remember trying to sort of when Reese scored, I just felt my voice go. So I'm trying to shout over everybody, and all of a sudden, oh, no, it's gone. Um, that was that was insane. Um, the win over Liverpool in the FA Cup, the Billy Gilmore show. That was a bit special. <laughs> Billy Gilmore show, um, so true. Yeah, he was. That was amazing. Um, but yeah, there are so many, and there are so many stories, and I think these are sorts that you, know, you get the feeling this is going to bear fruit in seasons to come. The amount of, of youngsters that we've seen given an opportunity by the manager, um, and we can, you know, as fans, we can all just sit back and, and watch them develop over the coming years. It's a really exciting time, isn't it? Right. I mean, look, every manager brings something different to the table, which is why Chelsea brought them to the club in the first place. And you know, with all things being said, like we are successful under Mauricio. Sorry, but. Frank is different. No matter if he came after Jose, after Conte, Frank with his relationship with the club and the fans, it was always going to be different. So that first home mm. match against Leicester, I mean, even being at the pub, it was a different atmosphere in the pub even. Like it transcended, you know, the Atlantic and, and spread as well. And I think, you know, we felt such strong ties that too. And like you said, for him to just pop up and say, hello, stranger, like you said, as if nothing had happened and <laughs> nothing had changed. It just brings like a huge smile to my face too, thinking yeah. about that and being That's a fly on the wall for that. We, we were at the we were at the Liverpool game because we saw you pitch side mm. after the game, right? Mm. Um, and of course, we, we, didn't, uh, we didn't end up winning that game, but it was a really great effort. And it was clear that, you know, Chelsea were not that far off of, of the standard that Liverpool had set. And then, in fact, you could argue we might have beaten them three times this season if if breaks had gone our way. So mm. I think one of the one of the things I take away from this season is is the applause that the whole team got after a loss, you know, and a loss to a heated rival. Just knowing, I think everyone can kind of see where this is going a little bit, and mm. 
I find that really interesting because, you know, perhaps Chelsea fans aren't the most patient um, in some in some aspects, including I blame myself, Roman. So. He rubbed <laughs> off on us. <laughs> but but I mean, I think there is a, I think Frank's going to get the benefit of doubt more than maybe some other managers have. I get what you mean. I think that the Liverpool comparisons are very good. I mean, we, we saw that early on in the season, even with the Super Cup as well. Mm-hmm. Chelsea probably, arguably, bias aside, should probably have won that. Mm hmm. And it was, yeah, that was a good marker, I think. And I think Frank spoke about it from memory after the game as well. It was like, well, hang on a minute. We've just gone toe-to-toe with the European champions and probably should have won. Yeah. That was an experience as well. I've got to tell you, because that was... An... No, go <laughs> no, for it. Just, I want to hear think, it. No, just, while, just thinking about the European Super Cup, it was... Um, I've never felt more like a, either a wrestling heel or a, a pantomime villain. <laughs> it was incredible. We went out there. They asked us to go and do the... Um, I was lucky enough to be asked to do sort of the, um, the, the team reads for Chelsea. Wow, love to. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to need you for some uh, some rehearsals though the day before. Okay, no problem. So went pitch side. Uh, met the guy from UEFA, a guy called Ashley House, who was presenting for for UEFA. And he said, "Rightly, okay. So what we'll do? I'll do an opening bit to camera. I'll then bring you in. We'll have a chat, and then I want you to introduce a video." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Right. Okay. No problem. Yep. No problem. A bit more than I was banking on, really. And I was like, what are we thinking? <laughs> sort of fan split? Because we were, we were going into the game. It's like, yeah, probably going to be sort of 50 50 split, you know, maybe 60 40. <sighs> I remember the day of the game walking in, it was just like a sea of red. And from where we were positioned, we had like a, a cabled camera in the far sort of left corner down by the side of the, the dugouts. And there was a pocket of Chelsea fans as far away as they could possibly be. And around us was just like a sea of... Literally, it's like, okay, (laughs) and from uh, Chelsea TV, please welcome Lee Parker. And the booze was like, oh, (laughs) morning. (laughs) (laughs) And there wasn't a Liverpool sort of... Liverpool didn't have have sort of a presenter reporter there to do it. Um, and so I was like, oh my goodness. And so the, the guy from UEFA was sort of um, getting everyone singing, you'll never walk alone. And it was deafening. And then I got, I was like, right, let's not be beaten here, guys. Let's sing Blue is the Colour and trying to get everyone but sort of lifting up. And it was like, oh my word. It was hilarious. I was like, I'm going to get someone's going to jump on me. <laughs> but what an experience and what a privilege. It was amazing. amazing. Well, we, we will get to the wrestling heel part later in the show. Like, <laughs> let's hold on because there, there's, some, there's something to go there. Um, I, I do really want to talk about your, your transition to stadium announcer on match day, right? Because this is kind of a newer role sure. for you over the last couple of years. And it's something that, you know, it's obviously a, a far cry from doing kind of video interviews, right? It's a whole different skill set. It's a whole different energy. Maybe talk to us a little bit about that transition and, and yeah. kind of how you found it. Wow. Yeah. Um, exciting, scary invigorating and it was just an honor to be to be given the opportunity um first and foremost i mean i've, I've watched sort of neil barnett do it for so long and so well um and so for for the club to ask me to step into some pretty big shoes <laughs> i was like mm-hmm. okay um and it was yeah nerve-wracking isn't the word my first the first game we did a couple of dry runs we did a couple of rehearsals uh, in that pre-season um and it was incredible they were like as you know in pre-season games like Seven substitutions at once on there, sort of like fumbling bits of paper and <laughs> scribbling names and numbers. And I was like, right, who did Ruben come on for? Ah. Um, and then the first Premier League game I did was, was Arsenal at home. So uh, no pressure. And my goodness, <laughs> the buzz. I just, it was, I, I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm, I have certain rituals and certain things, um, but I could not eat. And I still don't really eat before four home games. Um, and my goodness, my stomach was in knots. And I stood there and did the sort of first team read. And it was, I found myself right in front of the bench. And so all of a sudden, I've got all these players like this, staring <laughs> at me. Like, um, and just heckling and throwing things at me. I'm just like, oh, I bet. I bet. Um, and then I remember after the game, Eden Hazard came up to me and just, bless him. It was very, very sweet um, in what he said, which kind of made me feel a bit bad. I only had some kind words, but my word. But I love it. I, I, it's, I, it it's, it's hard to put into words, but I didn't know it was my dream job until I started doing it. Um, and now it's just the best thing in the world. And it's it scares the life out of me. But wow, 
you know, yeah. what a buzz. It's, it's brilliant. I love it. I'm very honored, literally very lucky. A London derby to kick it off. And then mm. it wasn't a straightforward match. Plenty of goal announcements. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, they're oh, just man. throwing you in the deep end on a lot of these things. You're just hitting Not home run after home run, as we Americans like to say, knocking it out of the park. <laughs> um, but I love how you kind of teed into a little bit about your relationship with the players. You know, obviously, you're a media personality for the club. Um, and we've gotten to see that strong bond that you have been able to develop with the players, whether it's Lee's outtakes that we get to see, uh, even just... Don't know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) Just even, you know, your relationship when you do little bits with the players, how they can be more relaxed and fun with you. I'm sure you're sleeping better now that David is gone, even though we miss him and love him for everything he's done for the club. (laughs) Um, You know, that one obviously jumps to mind. It was funny, someone even... Asked, I can't remember where it was on social media. When we said we're going to talk to you, they said, "How many penalties did you draw from David Luiz uh, tackling you?" And then you know, um, but yeah, I guess the question really is, what's the best prank they've been able to pull on you? And then maybe in return, what's the best prank you've been able to play on them? And we don't even have to say names mm. if you need to protect identities. No, no, no let me think. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. Protect the guilty, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No chance. Um, David, <laughs> as you said, got me on more than one occasion. There was the one, obviously, where, <clears throat> excuse me, he speared me. And um, Nathaniel Chalaba <laughs> drops down to, to get, do the, the three count. Um, yeah, that one hurt. <laughs> but funnily enough, he got me before that, a few weeks prior to that. Um, I think it was in the November. It was, it was in the November because I remember I had a poppy on my, uh, on my lapel. And completely unbeknownst to me, I was doing a piece to camera, I was about 30 seconds in, and he just came and gave me a massive bear hug and jarred me forward and just completely caught me off guard. Um, and we were doing like a live link. So I was like, right, okay, carry on. Um, <laughs> and then I, um, I, went to the limp, I went to the lengths of going in to see the medical team. And I said, um, explain what happened. I said, you haven't got a neck brace I could borrow, have you? And I was going to put like a brace on and go back out to training <laughs> oh, yes. just to get him. And that was what I'm going to get him. Uh, and they were like, oh no, the only one we've got is out at training, which obviously is more important because if God forbid someone gets injured, they have it there. So one of the uh, one of the women that works in the medicals, and bless her, she put like a, we had a sling and she strapped me up and I put something around <laughs> yes. my And literally as soon as I thought, I'm going to get him for this. And as soon as I walked out, the heavens opened and there was a massive downpour. Oh, like, no. Oh. And they all raced in at the end of training. I was like, right, I'm going to get you. Uh, and I never did. I never did get my own back. Um, and he still owes me a suit. And he knows that. So if he's watching me. <laughs> um he uh, yeah a, a pair of suit trousers kind of uh never made a full recovery following that that rugby time <laughs> and he tried to get me again a couple of times as well but thankfully um didn't get away with it yeah you didn't get to try to shift your schedule say hey maybe we shouldn't do this when they're walking out maybe we should pan as they're already yeah. there <laughs> but you know what it's a, it's a strange one isn't it because we desperately wanted to get you want to get that interaction you want to yeah. get because we are in such a privileged position that no one else is going to stand there with a camera and be able to sort of film the players as they walk out. And we get that every, every day with, you know, before, obviously before lockdown and we were in such a privileged position, excuse me. Um, but yeah, it does sometimes <laughs> it goes a bit, bit pear shaped and he's not alone. You know, a lot of the time people will come and I'll be sort of talking to camera and all of a sudden there'll be a little head that will pop up behind me, sort of just completely mimicking <laughs> me. Willian's done it a number of times. Marcus Alonso's done it. Olivier Giroud's done it recently. Danny Drinkwater used to do it all the time. Juan Mata used to do it. Mikel used to do it. And yeah, they just, but it's a risky game, but then sometimes you can get a really good bit of content that, that nobody else is in a privileged position to get. You know I mean? We, we have cameras from other broadcasters that will come and film sort of 10, 15 minutes worth of training every, um, every month. But they, they, you know, they're very much at arm's length. But we're so lucky. We're so lucky that we get to be there. And like you've alluded to earlier, Brandon, that we, we get to develop these relationships. So, yeah, it comes uh, <laughs> with risks, I suppose. But it, it pays off because they're, they're a good bunch. They're a good bunch. Well, one of the things that we've noticed, uh, I think especially over the last couple of years, is you're getting more of that kind of raw kind of fun, playful content from the club. Whereas, mm. you know, maybe earlier on in, in the days of social media, it was incredibly buttoned up and um, very, very professional. And then mm. I think they, you know, the, the trend in social is that you want to see authentic 
you know, everything, right? So you yeah, want to see authentic yeah. reactions from players. You want to see jokes and things. And, and it's something that we've noticed. Is, do you do you find that to be the case as, uh, as you've been shooting some of these bits? I think you're spot on. I think absolutely right. And it's something that the players are very much aware of as well. But it goes both ways. And it comes back to that, that relationship that you, you, um, you spoke about. If we're filming training and something brilliant happens, they know we're filming it. So they're asking mm-hmm. for it for their social media. So it's a, but it's a two-way thing. It's a two-way thing. And if, you know, we, 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 like I said to you, when we were speaking to the Academy boys, it needs to be, and I think it's very important that we stress this to them as well, that we are there for them. Yes, we're there for us and we're getting some great content, but you know what? We're there to, to help you as well. But absolutely, there are certain people that are, are very um, active on social media, some not as much. Um, but you get some great insights some great content. And we've been really lucky as well with some of the stuff that we've got. You know, we, we've changed the way that we filmed uh, in, in recent years. It's much more of a sort of a, a gorilla sort of fashion where we're, mm-hmm. the camera boys are getting the opportunity to go and shoot off the shoulder and they're down filming feet and they're down, you know, behind the goals and they're getting some fantastic stuff. But with that, you know, Again, <laughs> you get the uh, the odd football coming past, pinging past at 100 miles an hour, taking top lights off cameras. Um, so you, you, you get that. <laughs> but again, it comes down to the fact that, you know what, no one else is in a position to get this type of type of footage. Mm-hmm. And you have to develop that respect as well. And that, that it, again, it's a two-way thing, but we, we have to have that respect that if we're watching training, if something's happening that is, is very tactical, for example, we know to, to switch off. No, let's, you know, we, we don't want to be putting things out. We don't want to be filming things that we shouldn't be doing. So it's, again, it's, that, it's building that trust and that relationship, which I think is really important and something that we, should, we shouldn't take for granted. Um, but again, we've got a manager that we can have that open discourse with and just say, look, are you happy with, with what we're filming here, with where we are? Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. Or if, if, if we're too close, then no problem at all. And I think that's a really important you know, conversation or an important relationship to maintain. So did uh, Frank and Billy both give the sign off for his uh, little tumble in the uh, past couple of weeks? <laughs> the I, hurdle? I'm not, yeah, I saw that. I'll be honest with you. I've not been back because um, we've got, because of it, the way we're sort of abiding by obviously very strict regulations at the moment. Mm-hmm. So we've had uh, a cameraman in every day for the last couple of weeks. We have the photographer in there as well, but it's still very limited at the moment. So I've not been back at the training ground since March. So I'm sort of watching a lot of this stuff remotely. We're getting to do, you know, I've done a few sort of remote interviews on Zoom and FaceTime and things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying some of the stuff that's coming out on, on social and on the fifth stand as much as anyone really. So I'm assuming that your uh, your coaching staff liaison is Jody Morris and maybe he tips you guys to follow him around a little bit more. <laughs> uh, he yeah, lo- he so. loves the social media content. I love he loves it. banter. I love Jody. He's been yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's, like, he's cause great. he's been at the club, but this year, I don't know if it was his first year at Derby where he had a looser mm. leash, but this year he's been able to just, you know, I have such a great presence and things mm. like that and offered such a, uh, an insight that yeah Jody's been great and obviously seeing him with the players and him and Frank they can still roll with it a little bit it's been yeah. great I think you're right and I think we've been again talking about players and we've watched sort of players develop and come through the academy the same for the coaches as well with Jody and, and Joe we've been very lucky since I started at the club to have had a good relationship with with the coaches of the under 18s under 21s and other development squad and we've we've been very fortunate and then to then see them develop and move on i mean i I go back to some of the like dermot drumming god bless him 85 ash paul clement brendan rogers i mean brendan rogers was the reserve team coach when i when i first started Mm -hmm. so i some of my earliest memories were going to reserve games at griffin park brentford uh and brendan would come out and say um he'd want to do more interviews he would be great so can i do a pre-match interview uh sure you know, it was for him, <laughs> for him, it was just developing that skill set. And then after the game, <clears throat> excuse me, after the game, he'd say, all right, Lee, who do you want to speak to? He said, uh, and you name a couple of players, you go in there and send them out. I said, well, thank you. You know, doing my job for me. But that was always the case as well with, with Joe and with Jody and, you know, the list goes on, but to see them develop, um, is, is so good. It's fantastic. The two, two of the nicest guys to work with. Uh, Chris Jones as well. Just they're just lovely guys, um, grounded, respectful, respected, 
um and to then see them sort of come full circle now and to be part of that first team group is is brilliant and it's it's great for the players as well because i remember we did a piece on reese james um a few months back and one of the first people i spoke to about reese was um was joe joe was his under eights coach when reese started as an under age under eight so they've gone all the way through the the, the system together now and and for for joe to then say oh well you could see even at that age he was Wow, you know, he was, he was phenomenal. He was full of energy. You could see the quality, the strength, the leadership. Uh, and he's now had the opportunity to coach him through the ranks, um, which is amazing. You know, it's, it's, it's quite a journey for all of them. So we've got a couple of questions from our listeners mm. and uh, friends Chase and Reed. Both had a question about the 2016-2017 unexpected Premier League title winning season under mm. Antonio Conte. If there was... Any particular story that stands out that maybe isn't one of the ones that kind of gets told with a high level of regularity? Hmm. Can I be self-indulgent with it? Absolutely, of course. Okay, right, we'll go um, <clears throat> West Brom. So when they, when they won the title, um, we, we'd kind of, we were lucky, we'd negotiated uh, that we could go behind the goal. If they won, we could do a flash interview, you know, straight after. Um, and um, yeah, so we were there for the moment when they won. And then they came flying over. Gary Cahill came over. I got a flash interview and it was, it was great. And then out of the corner of my eye, I saw Cesar Azpilicueta and we sort of caught each other's eye and he went, <laughs> and he came running over, gave me the biggest bear hug. And before I could say a thing, he's grabbed the microphone <laughs> and he starts interviewing me. I'm just like, oh. I'm like what, what is going on here? And he goes, so Lee Parker, you know, and, he's, and so basically, which he, he still does to this day, he still does an impression of me every day. He can't walk past me without doing like a faux impression of me. And it's <laughs> talking like in the third person. It's like, hey, I'm Lee Parker. Welcome to Chelsea Cobham Training Ground. And he'll just go off on one. It's like, Aspie, I never do that. <laughs> but I love it and it still makes me laugh but anyway bless him he comes running over big bear hug and he gives me an interview and I was like try not to tear up I was like my goodness that's a that's a career highlight like a few days later he said to me he's like Lee how did that interview come out I said you know what I've never seen I've still not seen it so I asked and asked and we were trying to find it and somebody I'm not going to name him but one of our producers had consolidated a lot of the footage onto a card and deleted it so I never saw the light of day. I was gutted. I was like, oh, man. Uh, so every time we joke about it, I'm like, we've got to do that again. We have to do that again. I'm still trying to get him to stand in front of a camera and do like a report like I used to do on, on Blues News. And he, we've gotten close. So I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. But he's, he's brilliant. Love it. I love you that. You were the hero of the Hawthorns? Unbelievable. <laughs> Yeah, that was a moment. It could be a fun uh, take your child to work day where you bring him into uh, Chelsea uh, TV and have him do a video right, as a uh, understudy. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. But no, he's great. He's such a, um, I love the relationship with, with Aspie. He's, um, he just doesn't take himself too seriously. Just, but with that, he's a really, you know, he's a, he's a heck of a leader um, that you see. And he, he's always the first out of training. He, you know, he's the first one to shake the young players' hands and, and put an arm around them and give advice and everything. But yeah, we, we, we certainly have a laugh as well. Yeah, he's, he's definitely, there's one version of him on the pitch where it's all business. It's all serious. I remember when we Ooh. were there last season at the end of September and we got invited to Cobham and got to watch training. The intensity with which he trains separates himself from the other players like never shies mm. out of a tackle never <laughs> you know shies out of yelling at someone to get where it needs to be uh, and you see that on the pitch and then like you said off the field he seems like the guy very much like the glue that can connect with all the maybe the different kind of pockets of friends and and things like that because um, no, i believe he speaks three languages Definitely French, Spanish, and English. Yeah, definitely, possibly more. The some of the the amount of languages some of these boys can speak is just it puts the English to shame. It's phenomenal. I remember Juan Mata was like that. Going back to when he um, he walked through the door, and um, the first interview we did, we we had to do sort of through a translator, all in Spanish. Couldn't speak a word of English. Within six months, fluent English. <laughs> fluent English, and he said to me, "What turned out to be his last season?" He said, "Late before the end of this season." I want to do an interview and you'll guess the questions in Spanish. I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, 
Never happened, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> See why that happened. <laughs> <laughs> but so many of the, you know, that this is it. There's full credit to them because so many of these, and there's so many of them are young boys when they move to this country, like Oscar and Ed Nazard and people like that, early 20s. And it, they're just thrown in at the deep end and they just pick everything up. And Eden's another one, my goodness. Although, he, again, wouldn't, couldn't speak a word of English. And then was learning, learning, learning. Even when he was, he, he, he was fluent, he, he didn't want to do interviews in English for fear of making mistakes. And the first one we did, I remember, was in a pre-season. Shrewsbury, he'll never live it down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but it, it was, but yeah, I mean, but then it, it just, it clicked. And he was, with it came that real dry sense of humor as well. And he would be one to always keep you on your toes as well. And he'd say things. And um, again, great lad. Wouldn't take himself too seriously, but yeah, what a character. Well, and I think you're okay with Ziesch and Werner mm. recently announced. I, I think you're okay. Timo had his message in English. Brilliant. He's, so I think you might be in the clear with those two signings, obviously. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm sure you do your research when they get announced. Like, yeah. How are we doing? Um, funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Nick, What you've got another one. What, what do you have? So Chase had a follow-up. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to understand what your most uh, memorable interview over the years is. Is, is, it, is it Asby interviewing you or is it you interviewing someone else? It's a good question. It doesn't include Diego Costa. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> most memorable. I've, you know what? I was I, – I, okay. There was, I've been lucky to some of the, um, like I said, when I, when I first started, I walked in and into the training ground and saw these big personalities and it was kind of a bit slightly in awe. Uh, but then you get to know them all and you get to know the person behind the player, if you like, if that doesn't sound too corny. Uh, so John Terry, Frank Lampard, you know, you sort of get to know them a bit more than, you know, what, what you'd see sort of on, on TV. Frank's always been a, you know, a fascinating person to interview. So that, that first interview with him last year when he came back was just, for me, a career high. Um, but also, um, I was lucky enough to do John Terry's last one when, um, when he bowed out. Uh, and we were, we were on the pitch with him for the emotional sort of uh, speech in front of the, the Matthew Harding stand. And then because obviously they won the title as well, we went into the dressing room and we were in there with a camera and I, I managed to sit down with him and we just had a chat about stuff. And it was like, this is quite a moment. So glassy eyed um but it was amazing you know and those those last couple of weeks with john around the club where he knew that it was it was coming um it was yeah pretty emotional for everybody and to to have the privilege of being able to sit down with him and do that sort of that that last interview before he left was yeah it was pretty pretty special i mean we were there at the middlesbrough match towards the end there and just being able to see him play in person in the second half Mm. was so it was so special to me even just to, I can at least raise my hand and say I saw JT play for Chelsea was was absolutely massive for me as a fan. So I can yeah. only imagine what it was like for everyone at the ground who you know you have those deeper relationships with. But it's the same with like when, when you said when Didier left, it was like my goodness, you know, and it, it just it, it's only after the event it sort of sinks in. You're like my word, I was lucky enough to be in the dressing room with him for his last hurrah and just to what I always remember that the, the, the title win with him sort of leading the celebrations and thinking, my goodness, this is your last game. You know, it's, it's crazy. So we had a question from Rohan who was asking how long before transfers officially announced do people start working on the media side of things in Chelsea. So when yeah. we sign a player, obviously there's a whole process that goes in. Mm-hmm. I, I love to think that you are tapped initially to bring in the conversation and help us identify the players, but uh, that might not be the appropriate <laughs> understanding of your role in remit. Marina, so I just want to make sure Petr that we... Check, Lee. <laughs> Frank, Frank, I'm, I'm pretty good on championship manager, and I've spotted someone. <laughs> uh, it's a regen. His name is Lee Parker II. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you guys have to turn on videos, interviews, things like that. Like, I, and we asked about mm. this... Under normal circumstances, not COVID, obviously. This mm, is no, whole, of course, of course. Yeah. A whole new wrinkle. I think, I think certain, there are certain ones where you do kind of, I don't want to say, yeah, you, you can't, they kind of come out of left field somewhat. Some you kind of get a feeling and so therefore you can prep a little bit. And to be, from my perspective, what I try and do, if, if something feels like it, it could possibly happen, I'll start scribbling down notes sort of as I, as I think of them, sort of train of thought. Um, 
so if if like for example on deadline day if someone arrives that you're just like whoa whoa you, you try and prepare as best you can but then sometimes you are you are sort of caught off guard um so i think from a to come back to your original question i think i think we, we prepare as best we can um but then sometimes you know you, you're signing players that we might not necessarily have any footage of so it's like well what do you do so i think the the guys in production we we're very lucky we've got a phenomenal production team that can in essence almost put together the bare bones of like a like an announcement video or holes little windows on the timeline so then when the player signs we get them to do a couple of reveal shots or what we call hero shots that we can then drop in and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have a personalized video that can be that can be polished so in that sense you try and do a lot of the dog work before before the event but but then yeah there are times where you kind of you know, get caught off guard i remember going back to um would have been my first year doing the job at the training ground and um actually no it's prior prior to that sorry so this was going back to 2011 when they signed Fernando Torres. Um, and I was kind of at the, the training ground um, certain days of the week. Ben Andrews was there, Gigi was there. So we'd kind of be on a, a bit of a rotor. And it was deadline day in the January. And all of a sudden, Chelsea were linked with, with Fernando Torres. And we were getting calls from people saying, we, we've heard reports that a, a helicopter's taken off from, from Melwood. Can you confirm that? You're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> sort of keeping everything buttoned. And then I remember we, uh, so we were at the training ground covering the, the day as we normally would, and then drove back up to Stamford Bridge. And there he was, Fernando Torres, there that evening. It's like, wow, this is a, <laughs> a surreal moment. So sat him down, did the first interview in, in one of the offices at the bridge, and then, and then announced it late on. And I thought, my goodness, what a day is, you know. Okay, we can finally we can go home. Everything's finished, yeah. and then we got an email, and it's like, and Chelsea have announced the signing of David Louise, and we're like, whoa, this is incredible. <laughs> so, and then we sort of, because David uh, couldn't come to uh, to London that night, we ended up then meeting him at Cobham, I think, the day after, and then we did all sort of the, the signing videos and the first interviews with him with him then as well. It's it's phenomenal. It's there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Working on deadline day, it's it's crazy, but it's it's fantastic. And just to save your mentions. It sounds like you have no privy knowledge before the fact, so we shouldn't come blowing you up on Lee's transfer radar rumors on that. <laughs> Got it. All right. Well, we'll have to keep looking elsewhere. I think we always, I mean, it's a case that you kind of keep your eyes open, but yeah, we, we and it's, it sounds a bit cliche, but we always say we, we will never, we'll never talk about rumor speculation. We'll only you know, ever talk about something when it's, when it's done, when it's, when there is something to talk about, because it's, I don't think it's our, certainly not our role to, to get into sort of speculation and the rumor mill and that side of things. So, but rest assured, as soon as things are, are done and dusted, we, we, we get it out there as soon as we possibly can. So a, a question from Nia Mart. Uh, he wants to talk about how you nearly missed Drogba's champions league winning penalty in 2012. Lee, maybe, maybe give us a sense of, of what was going on during this, this moment. How I nearly missed it. That's what he, he has asked this very question. Oh, I, I tell you what, I, what I nearly missed, going back to 2012, what I nearly missed was um, Petr Cech's penalty save at the start of extra time. Oh, uh, yeah. so the one that Dragba drew or fouled yeah. for. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, what, so basically what had happened, so we, um, we, we had a crew that had gone, um, gone out to Munich earlier in the week and they'd gone through France and done a piece with Joe Cole uh, en route. And they, they'd been there a couple of days. I then flew in with a couple of our producers the day before. And we were flew out with uh, some of the wives and the girlfriends and the relatives. Uh, and then the whole day of the game, we were filming around uh, the beer gardens and the fan fests and everything around me is phenomenal. So many people. So we were filming sort of color pieces and, and Vox Pops. And before we knew it, we'd, we'd been filming all day. We hadn't stopped all day. Um, sent everything back to London and then straight to the, to the ground to do our pre-match stuff. And got to like halfway through the games, I like, starving i'm not eating all day <laughs> so we got to full time it's like right okay we've got a couple of minutes and i thought right i'm gonna run downstairs and just grab whatever's on offer so came back with like um cans of drink and pretzels and hot dogs i'm coming up through the tunnel sort of turn around in the concourse and as i come up the stairwell one of the guys i'm working with just looks at me and went 
So I look round, penalty, and I'm like, oh my God. So I had to crouch down with like an army's worth of food in my arms, <laughs> spilling Dr. Pepper all over me. Wait, and then check saved it and the whole place erupted. Oh my like, gosh. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, ne- I nearly missed that. Um, but we didn't move an inch for the, uh, for the actual shootout. Um, but I remember, che- oh my goodness, when that went in, my voice went entirely. Um, and then we had, um, cause we had a team that we had, so Neil went downstairs and did the post-match with the players. We had a, a, a platform outside the Allianz where we could do some, some lives. And I went out there and I was trying to grab people to do sort of live reaction. My voice was like this, I could barely talk. And the first person I saw was Eddie Jordan, who's a big Chelsea fan. I was like, Eddie. So I grabbed him. So we stood there and the two of us barely able to talk sort of coughing through this interview it was the most ridiculous thing but my word what a night what a night incredible so is this where the root of your not wanting to eat before games has has come from was this moment where no you, not really you, um <laughs> that only to be fair that's only I, I don't really have sort of superstitions but i do still get nervous out of games i do mm-hmm. oh it's something i I don't know, maybe it's increased sort of throughout the years. I never used to when I was younger, but now I do. I get nervous every day. Um, especially home games when, you know, you stood there, pitch side. The last thing I want to do is eat. last thing I want to do is eat. So I'll occasionally grab like a bowl of something and eat something to keep me going, but drink as much as I can, which is a blessing and a curse. So I'll never go out pitch side without a bottle of water, mm-hmm. a bottle of plastic water tucked in my pocket. The last thing I want to do is have a coughing fit and, yeah. But then with that, it's like, don't drink too much. Yeah. You can't move. <laughs> and so I'll be sitting there like, how long left? <laughs> You're like, can't move. Can't move. And it's like, if I move, something's going to happen. Someone's yeah. going to score and I'm going to miss it. And I'm going to be racing back through the pressure. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's trying to sort of <laughs> measure your approach, shall we say. <laughs> nah, it's yeah. so funny. I totally get that, though. Um, just to put a bow on the Champions League night, because um, we're working on some stories and just talking to fans who are there and things like that. I mean, by far, you know, fans that have been going for, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, best night of their life, not even close to anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you, as you're working, there's always a different, you know, like viewpoint angle, because while you're a supporter of the club, you also have things to get done. We, ours, you know, we understand when we watch a Chelsea match, we're still watching it with an angle of working because we're going to put a podcast out and stuff after. Um, I guess like what what's what's one of your, I don't know if it's a story or a takeaway or just kind of like a general overview of what that night was like for you. And mm. what's the over under on the number of bottles of champagne destroyed that night <laughs> in spraying and celebration? Well, I was... So I was lucky enough to be in the stadium. My role was a bit different then. I wasn't sort of going to to, to the game sort of home and away. So I, I wasn't the one sort of there in the firing line, if you like. Um, so that was that was Neil Barnett who was doing the post-match after that. I was up on, my view was up on high in the press box. Uh, and then it was kind of scurrying outside to try and grab some extra sort of guests as and when we could. So, so I wasn't sort of front and centre for that one. Um, but I've, I've been lucky enough to be in the dressing room for you know, Premier League title wins, FA Cup wins. You know, I've, my God, well, what an experience that is as well. I mean, been in Baku last year as well. Yeah. That was just absolute chaos, but it's, it's phenomenal. But that's the other thing as well. I mean, we talked earlier about getting jumped um, by certain players sort of mid-interview or, you know, when you're doing a piece to camera, you cannot switch off. We do, you do like an interview with somebody fresh off the bat, like they've just won the Premier League and then all of a sudden here comes Didier Drogba with a bottle of champagne and you've been blindsided. <laughs> and There's a video, I saw it on YouTube not too long ago. I did, um, it was after the title win and we had Gary Cahill and John Terry sat next to each other and then out of nowhere we get absolutely down. Yep, and uh, I remember was, that. that. That was Didier. <laughs> Classic drugs. Oh, Love fan- it. Fantastic. All right, Nick. Yeah. Let's wrap this one up. Lee, you've been absolutely amazing, generous with your time. Um, but I think we have a nice little bonus question here to to wrap it all up. That's right. Uh, we, we learned pre-pod <laughs> that one Lee Parker is genuinely a fan of the WWE and, and wrestling writ large. Mm-hmm. So, Lee, we have to understand, are, are you a Steve Austin guy? Are you a Rock guy? Are you a Hulk Hogan guy? What's going on? 
don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh, <laughs> definitive. For, for those only Smash listening to this on audio, it was a pan down of the camera to an Austin 316 shirt. Oh, man. Guilty. Sorry. All right. Well, let's hear it. Huh? I don't know. It's just something of it's my guilty pleasure. I um, Going back to when I was a kid. Um, so... My first, <laughs> I remember watching WrestleMania six. That was my first one. That was my first foray into it, uh, and then sort of kept tabs on it throughout my teenage years. I'm giving my age away, aren't I? Um, and just <laughs> yeah, just never really let it slide, and still you know, not not as avid as I was, obviously. Um, but yeah, certainly sort of keep a, a keen eye on on developments. And yeah, Aust- Austin's era was something a bit special, wasn't it? Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, things that man can do in jean shorts, I can only aspire to. It's brilliant, and I'm I'm sat there even now. Like, um, there's a the Undertaker series that's out on the moment at the moment called um, the Last Ride, Um, and it's wow, it's brilliant. They've really broken the fourth wall, and all of a sudden, there's the characters behind the characters, and it's it's fascinating to watch and. Yeah, it takes me back to my teenage years. If uh, you were forced to compete in one of the styles of matches that WWE has, <laughs> oh hello, which which would be the one Ooh. that you would give yourself the best odds at being able to, to walk out with a belt? Um, oh Cage my match. Goodness. What a <laughs> yeah! What I, see a, question. I see a tables, ladders, <laughs> chairs, <laughs> bashing people. Any any sort of match where I could hide and run. So maybe I don't know. Maybe a Royal Rumble where I could duck under the bottom rope, hide <laughs> under the ring, and then sneak up and pop just, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vince McMahon style, and then Road just turn the up end. at the end and this. Yeah. Twenty four seven belt. That's that's the one. Yeah. You know, you just got to jump somebody else because it's always <laughs> always on the line. That's funny. It's brilliant. Okay. Absolutely brilliant. One one of the best parts of wrestling though is the walkout music. Ooh. So mm. I need to know Lee Parker, the character. Mm. And you should also name your name your wrestling character in this because we're we're now doing that. Um wow. what what is what's the song that you're like what would get you juiced up to go and just wrestle a bunch of much larger people? Can I nick punks? Can I have cult of personality? Sure. <laughs> That's the one. I think that'd be the one. Um, Joan Jett's Bad Reputation that Ronda Rousey used. Oh, yeah. The Austin's theme is always iconic, just the breaking of the glass. And then, wow, the reaction and the pop from the crowd was just always so special. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm so, such a we mark. Need, <laughs> we need to phone a friend. We need to get DJ Pat Nevin over here to help with this. I know. <laughs> Oh man, Lee, this has been fantastic. Um, yeah. Thank you. Obviously, we're Pleasure. we're catching you to good time in quarantine before you mm. hopefully get you know too busy with the, a bit of normalcy. But again, uh, the stories and and the sharing and it's always great to kind of you know your your perspective is unique, especially because you're kind of you're always on the periphery watching and observing and you probably take in a lot more stuff than if you're in the moment when we ask the players and we get that luxury or the staff, you know, they're mm-hmm. in it. They don't always get the 360 view. So like you said, the privilege that you have to be able to cover this stuff is great. But then most importantly, I think us as fans, we want you and the media team to know. So please take it back with you. The coverage that the Chelsea football club has done over the last two seasons has been noticeably different. It has been much more intimate. It has much more of a personal connection with the club. And the work that you guys are doing is absolutely brilliant. The fans are loving it. Continue to do great work uh, because you all as a staff are fantastic. And obviously the work you do in front of and behind the camera, uh, thank you. It is so well received and it deepens our connection, especially as fans abroad that don't get to go to the bridge often, if at all. Uh, that much more deeper and special. So thank you from from all of us. Thank you. Well, thank yes, you for man. having me first and foremost, and thank you for the for the kind words. And I think that the word privilege is is the one, the key one for me. And I think sometimes you have to take a moment to sort of you know, actually pinch yourself and think, well, hang on a minute, what am I doing? How am I here? What am I? You know, it's, it is. It really is. It is a privilege. And we we do work long days, we do work long hours. But you know what? Sometimes you take a step back and you think not compared to, especially now in the current climate, you see the phenomenal Mm -hmm. work that people are doing on the front line, tackling, you know, COVID-19 and and 
the, the phenomenal job that they're doing. It puts everything into perspective and it really does make you take, you know, a step back and a deep breath and, and you have to think, I really am in a very privileged position. This football club has reacted and responded so admirably throughout this whole process with the work they've yeah. done with the NHS, the work they've done with Refuge. Uh, and it's it's been incredible to see. And it's, it's just, it's an honour to do it. Um, and... I'm looking forward to getting back to it. I won't lie, um, but it's been quite a chastening experience over the last sort of three to four months to sort of see how this has panned out. Um, but you know, I think the one thing moving forward, I think we've always learned not to take things for granted, uh, to enjoy everything that we will. And I think you know, coming back to football and come back to Chelsea, we're in such a, a fantastic position with Frank at the helm and some of these young players that we've discussed coming through as well. I mean, exciting times ahead and certainly lots for all of us to look forward to. Well, one of the great privileges that we've had is is being able to interview some players at, at Cobham. And it's always been great to have you around whenever we've been able to do that um, to kind of help uh, help walk us around or to entertain us while we're on a, a three-hour break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, we're, we're very lucky and uh, just keep it up, man. We, we really enjoy these conversations. Consider you a friend and hopefully we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And thank you once again for having me. Stay safe, stay well, and hopefully we'll, we'll catch up at the bridge very soon. Well, definitely do that. Thank you, Lee. Taking him up on that offer. But that's <laughs> going to wrap us up, Chelsea fans. Tweet at Lee if you enjoyed this conversation. Show him some love. But until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Thank you